well, I'm going to try to do this succinctly and correctly and quickly and then also get speak about what the lesson is about this morning. I just want to begin this way. Uh, thank you so much <clears throat> for your prayers. You know, pastors or elders, whatever you want to call me, old men, very often we do not know specifically whether the people in the church care about us, concern, you know, uh, whatever. I think in general we would say, yeah, 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 in general. But I'm talking about the specifics. And one of the things that has been very good during this arduous season is that the expression of care. And, and I appreciate it so much because one of my biggest struggles, and Gene will tell you this, is that, and this has been a struggle of mine for years, and I don't mind having the struggle, and she would tell you, I don't have any, well, I can't say any, I don't really have, and I'm not looking for it, I don't have any real sense that I'm in any way effectively being used by the Holy Spirit. I just don't have much of a personal sense of that, and that is not to say, oh, no, yeah, I'm not looking for that. I don't want that. If you have it, don't say it. But nobody has it. Okay, so there it is. You know, <laughs> Brother, you don't have to worry about us not saying it. <laughs> but I do appreciate that. I really do. And then I appreciate it more in this category. I appreciate your love and care, the expression of your love and care and gratitude. Not only personally, but I appreciate it more for what it means to my wife. I really do. I really do. So on behalf of Jean and me, but really on behalf of Jean. Jean, would you stand up so everybody can see you? She may have to stand on the chair, too. This is Miss Jean. I just want to say, on behalf of her especially, because wives of leaders share a, not only a unique position, but they share a very unique, deep burden for their husbands, for how the husband is being received or not received and the effect of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the husband and into the church by the husband. And so I want you to know how much I appreciate this. Amen? Really do. Uh, secondly, I want to thank you so much for the Missios family. This is a family thing. I thank the family. Really do. Uh, Angel. I have been in leadership 
in this church since October of 78. So I know a little bit about how leadership, teaching, ministry, I know a little bit about the burden of it for a wife. I know a little bit about it. I know a little bit about the strain and the stress on a wife. I know a little bit about the wife feeling that she doesn't have her, att- her husband's attention as much as she wants, that she may feel alone often because of the husband's duties at church. I know a little bit about that, 44 years of it. And I've seen the effects in my own wife, and I've seen how she's had to battle against the attacks of the enemy in order to be joyful in the work of God. I understand that. So I first start with you because I know, thank you so much for trusting God and being cooperative with the will of the Holy Spirit and serving your husband during these days. I appreciate it. And you know I mean that. Then let me come to the least of thy approbations. Nick. (laughs) Thanks, brother. Thanks for stepping up. And he and I had planned that he would be walking with us as a co-teacher, fellow teacher in this class. And I had no ulterior motive that, oh, wow, we need to get Nick on you know, online on with us because, no, that wasn't part of it. It's just how the Lord worked it out. But thank you for that. And then waking up one day and being told, guess what? I'm going to need you to be teaching a whole lot longer, you know. Then the real difficulty was this. When I shared with him that I would like to come back on the 15th to continue, I had to fight him, Gail. (laughs) And I really mean that. And aren't you glad that you have a man here who wants to continue to teach? Right? Right. So thanks, Nick. I appreciate that. I really do. And by the way, I'll say this. And I say it with no reservations. I've heard a few teachings in my day about do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. Remember that? Because of the love of the world is not the father. Okay. And I had purposed in my heart to teach that because this is what I felt the Holy Spirit was leading me to do. So I asked Nick, would he mind? And he said, yes. So he graciously said, yes. He deferred to me, went ahead with verse 18, you remember, and went on. And then it began to become increasingly apparent to me by the Lord. I don't think I miss God in the first place. I think this is how God works. I want you to do this and get you to cooperate, begin to work. on, And then he comes back and says, now, this is what I want you to do. He's not changing his mind. He knew all the while what he was doing. He was just making sure and causing me to be flexible in his will, right? So we talked and I said, yeah, Nick, this is, this is yours. And I have to say, 
I don't know whether it was the best I've heard. I can't say that. Why? Steve, I don't remember. I don't remember. But I'll say this. It's right at the top of the list. The Holy Spirit did a marvelous job through this young fellow to speak to us about our relationship to the world. And if you were not here to listen to that, please get the CD or listen online or whatever, whatever it's all called, please do that. Usually I say get the tape and everybody, hey, we haven't had tapes in years, whatever. Please do it. Please do it. Amen. Amen. Now, with all that said, let's see what will get done today. Today, we've come to chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. You know what John's been speaking about. You know what his purpose is. You know what his burden is. His burden is to protect the church from false teachers. And we won't go into the details of what these teachings are. From false teachers who have come into the church and have been corrupting the gospel. And many of them have gone out, but there may be still a few left. But let's face it. You have had a teacher in the church, and now he's not a part of the church. Do you think that his influence is not still kind of in in your mind, or do you think that maybe you, he will never talk to you even though he's not a part of the church? There's still going to be communication here. So John is led by the Holy Spirit to do one of the primary functions of an elder, and that is to be the protector of the faith, to correctly teach the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of God, and to, as best he can, being led by the Holy Spirit within the context of the fruit of the Spirit, see that the love of God, the doctrine of who God is, is correctly and actively ministered to the church and that the church is walking in the love of God. Amen? This is his purpose. This is what he's called to be an elder. There are other things, but this will be a primary purpose. And so John has been doing that. And he's been speaking about the moral test of how we know we're saved. You remember the moral test? If you don't remember the moral test of how you're saved, I'm sorry, that moral test to, to speak about the genuineness, that proves the genuineness of your faith, you need to find out what that is. Critical. Also, the relational test. You need to know what the relational test is. Am I functioning in the relational test? I didn't say 100%, but is that happening in me? And then the doctrinal test. So it's three-legged stool on which, you know, the gospel stands. Those three legs. Any of those three that are diminished or weakened or shortened, if you would, what happens to the stability of the chair? It begins to teeter and totter. And so which one of these tests is more important? All of what? Equally, simultaneously, comprehensively significant. So as he's doing this, he's about ready to continue to talk about them not walking in sin, which we'll see in chapter 3, verse 4. He's about ready to go there, Jody. But then the Holy Spirit stops him. And I want us just to bear down on this today. The Holy Spirit stops him. And he is overwhelmed in his mind 
and in his soul with the reality, with the power, with all that he's been teaching, not as an academic out there sense, but that what God is doing in me and in the church. And he is just overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And what does he say? He says, oh, see what love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God and such we are. It's like a flood that comes into his mind and invades his heart and his emotions. And he's overwhelmed with this. What kind of love is this? And I want us to think about this. What kind of love is this? That would take a person such as I. With all that I have been. All that I have said and done. All that I have thought. All that I have wanted to do. All of that. What kind of a love is it, Mary, that will take such putrid people and step into the very muck and mire of my life? This God of glory, this pure God, never being tainted by any sin whatsoever at any time. This God of perfection, what kind of a God is this? What kind of a love is this? That he would sacrifice the son of his love, the beloved son, to become one with us in the filth and the degradation and the fallenness of this world that is dominated and controlled by Satan. To go to a cross and to be suffering, yielding himself purposefully to the hatred, to the attacks of these people in order to bring these same people into a filial family relationship with God the Father. What kind of love is this? What kind of love is this? You see, what... What the Holy Spirit is doing, and I would say what John is doing, but Cody, this is because the Holy Spirit is doing it in and through John. What the Holy Spirit is doing is say, stop, church, stop. Stop for a moment. Hold on there. You've been taught a lot of things. You're gaining knowledge and understanding. 
but I want you to put it in the correct context. All of this is the revelation of the most astounding, unbelievable, most wonderful truth of all. The revelation of God's kind of love. And where is that revelation revealed only? It is revealed in the people whom God has loved to himself in and through his son. That's what John is saying here. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to get to the particulars of the notes, but. And what is the one concern that I have for myself and also for each of us? Mary, one of the concerns I have is this. When we say or read, we're the children of God, we're the sons of God, we can say it without much passion. We're so used to it, Anna. God loves me. I'm a child of God, right? Are you with me? I can say that a lot of times and not feel a thing. Are you with me on this? Anybody agree with me on this? And that's okay. But there needs to be times. There needs to be seasons during which we literally stop. Stop. Anything and everything that we are doing, because anything and everything that we are doing is less significant than this understanding, this revelation, this experience. You got it? An English teacher says, you got it? We stop. And behold, the majesty and the grace of God's glory as defined in and by and revealed through his love by calling us his children. We need to take times in our life where we just get away from everything, whether physically, ment- but at least mentally and emotionally. Get, a- get away from all of it. And we need to be continually, fundamentally refreshed by focusing in, thinking about, placing all of our consideration in this God and in the work of his son in calling me, me,
a beloved son, a beloved daughter. How many times does life overcome us? And we begin to think ill of ourselves. How many times we want to put ourselves down? How many times we think ill of others in the church? How many times we just allow the winds and waves of this world to wash over us and beat against us? So that literally we become weather beaten. And in those times, we need to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit. But we should never wait for those days. We should be refreshed in, if you would, I'll say it this way, the good and easy days. Because I think, in fact, the, more, the greater danger to us are the good days. The good days. I can tell you this. I had that operation on April 12th. And when they got me to the room, you know, they do what they call the wake-up room. What do you call that? Recovery room. And when I got to the wake-up room and I got to my room, right, the pain and difficulty in my hip that, you know, was that it was because of the movement like that had gone. But there was another different, very stabbing pain in my hip that wasn't there previously. <clears throat> I felt like the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. You have to look it up. <laughs> and I told the nurses, there's something wrong. I feel a pain, very different pain in a different location in my hip. And this is not to denigrate or to criticize anybody in the medical community. I'm just telling you what happened because I have no art or whatever like that. None of this. Well, if she had done this and that. And they said, well, Mr. Davidson, you need to give it time for the pain to begin to ameliorate, you know, go down, the nerves take a while to whatever it is. If I, I don't know all the details. And so you're a doctor and you know this over and over and over and over over the years. Patients come out of operations like this and very, very often what? They still, as I say, got a lot of pain. Okay. Man, when I got home and we finally got up those stairs, my daughter and I, Gene following. Ashley's a little younger and stronger than my wife is. We finally got upstairs. I got in the bed. And, and literally I was, wouldn't you say, for two weeks an invalid. An invalid for two weeks. And I'm taking all this medication and I'm not only physically an invalid, but mentally I'm an invalid. You know. I don't know who you are, and I don't care. <laughs> I'm not even sure me. And there was only one thing I had to get up and go do <laughs> when it struck. 
Some of you don't know it. Ask Steve Roberts. He, he's in the business, plumbing business. I have lived 78 and a half years. Shut up. Shirley Wanda Jim, raise your hand, Shirley, so we know who you are, still thinks of me as a kid. I have never experienced such excruciating pain and debilitation as I have in those three, two, two weeks. When I came back from the second operation, it took a while for this to begin to decline. And so there was still great struggles. But then finally, finally began to realize, oh, okay, it really is getting better. Why am I telling you this? It's because during these weeks, and you need to know this about a great man of God such as I. Someone who has been saved since 65, who has been teaching the word of God since I was 19 years old. It's a lot of teaching, Ray. Someone who is an elder and a pastor. Someone who has weathered a lot of personal storms, personal in my life and in, in the church. I had perhaps some of the greatest, maybe the greatest spiritual struggles I have ever had. I mean, I was asking God to do this and that and the other thing, and Al, he wasn't doing it. I mean, Keith's sermons a couple of days ago, when what happens when God doesn't say yes to your questions? And because I wasn't, A.J., getting the relief that I desperately needed, I was desperate. Then what comes in? What comes in? Genesis 3.1. This is what comes in. Genesis 3.1. This is always what comes in. Every temptation. Every temptation is Genesis 3.1. Don't you just love Genesis? This is what came into my mind, in my heart, my soul. Hath God said, can you trust God? If he loves you, then why? Do you believe he'll ever? Suppose you don't walk at barrages of this. As I was literally holding my leg, trying to do something to deal with the pain. In those days, especially, this is what I hung on to. Oh, you would think that I would have the faith, be gone, Satan, you know. No, it's a battle. It's a battle. And if you are having battles, I hope you're comforted in this. That even some of the great men of God have battles. I speak foolishly, you understand. 
Hold on to this. Here's the question you hold on to. Are you, am I, a child of God? And flow, I had to wrestle with this, but thanks be to God, this is part of the conversation. I am a child of God. I have been purchased at the highest price for the highest benefit to God. Therefore, against all odds and in the face of a fierce storm, I decide against my feelings, but on the ground of what I know doctrinally, I am a child of God. He, in fact, does love me. And, in fact, he will some way get me through this in some kind of condition so that I may continue to be to the praise of his glorious grace. Amen? Amen. Consider this. How many of us have ever thought of this? The Holy Spirit is sent by Jesus into the world to gather God's people, right? Jesus is exalted. He's crowned King of kings, Lord of lords, and then he sends the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to do what? Not try to, let me see, who's God's people? Oh, I'm not sure yet. Are you God, would, you, would you say yes to Jesus so I can know? No, that's not it. The Holy Spirit comes into the world fully knowledgeable of all those who have belonged to God according to his eternal will. Hmm? And he knows who they are, where they are. He knows whether they are atheists, so to speak, but they're no atheists. They just say they are. He knows whether they are Protestants or Catholics. He knows whether they're male or female. He knows all about them. And he is sent into the world to bring these lost ones, these children of God in the heart and in intention of God. He is bringing God's pre-temporal, before-time children into the family. But the question is this, the Holy Spirit is walking down the road of life. And as he does, he takes this one out of the muck and mire. Walks down, takes this one out of the muck and mire. Maybe one next to him. Then maybe he takes 10 more steps and he takes another one. Could he have easily passed us by? If we had not been in the purpose of God, could it be that we may not have been a child of God in his own mind? Could it be? What if, Jonathan, he passed you by? But what? He saved us. 
and has brought us up to the highest place for the display of the highest good. His glory, as we have been joined relationally into the son of his love, his begotten son. Astounding. I, when I say I, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize this morning that we no longer see this four-word phrase, the children of God, without emotion. No longer to consider what God has done in us without import, significance, but that it will grab our hearts and massage our hearts in the love of God so that we are becoming more and more conformed to the image of his son, Romans eight twenty nine. And as that happens, the glory of God's love is becoming more and more manifested in us, through us, to this fallen world and to the demonic forces of this world. Amen. We are children of God. There's nothing of a higher status that we can say. We are God's beloved children. And according to John 17, 26, the Father's love, the Father loves us with the same love. This is one of the most scandalous and astounding verses I see in the Bible. The Father loves us, John 17, 26. You need to write it down and know this verse. 17, 26 of John. The Father's love that he has for the Son and the Son's reciprocal love for the Father. All done in and by the Holy Spirit. Is now given to us so that that same intra-Trinitarian love now is Ours. What kind of love is this? What kind of love? Therefore, what is there in this world that can come against us and successfully assault us in such a way that we can begin to question and maybe even deny this love of God. This is one of the greatest areas of meditation that we have. So when John says, see what love, the word see means contemplate, think about, ruminate, concentrate on. Remember looking off to Jesus in Hebrews 12. Not just a glance, but to take time.
notes. So I'll finish with this. I didn't do the notes. Perhaps in your notes, you'll see what's there. I'll use Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6 to talk about some of the mechanics, if you would. I don't like to say it that way. The mechanics of what God has done. We'll continue next week about adoption. We need to make sure that we live in the good of this reality. Amen? So when you're not loved by someone, oh, I'm not loved. I'm not loved. Oh, yes, I am loved. When someone rejects your love or rejects you, oh, I've been rejected. I'm upset. Nope. I have been received into the Father's house. What can the attitudes and the activities of whatever of this world and other people, what can it do really to assault this love of God? It can't. What we can do is to allow it. So this morning, let's leave here with a greater determination in the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, empower my determination. In this area. Correct? So next week, I'll be beginning to talk about adoption and Rob, Nick of his enthusiasm and desire to have taught this but we worked through that and and it might be after we finish this little series Nick may need to come back and talk about something uh, the Lord has given him that he didn't give me and that'll be fine so thank you so much for your prayers thank you so much for your care and especially thank you for being here every Sunday faithfully amen